already know that I'm on the naughty list, guys. We called up Black Santa at 3 a.m. and he got so mad. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes of dog barking. Hey folks, you're listening to Honky Loves the Blues <laughs> on 881KHX. On the left of the dial, we're going to play a little song I'm a big fan of from uh, Big Pecker Pete <laughs> from Omaha, Nebraska on his debut release. <laughs> Fat Possum Records called, I know it was jailbait, I didn't care. Here's a new tune of mine that I'm a big fan of called, My Baby's Pussy Sure Smells Bad, but boy... Does a bathtub water taste like gin? <laughs> All right, folks, let's get a sip of that bath water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be where you hit the post where you get the uh, the intro going fully. Yeah, <laughs> fan, fan fucking. Tassel. No, I just like today's. I just been like fucking. My brain's just been fucking fried because I'm just sitting at work going, Walter. No, no, no. <laughs> Walter, you need to pie pie at the Ava, Walter. Oh. If you don't do it, Jesse's gotta do it. So for context, uh, <laughs> folks, uh, we went to see the Evangelion movie, the final one, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time, the absolute worst fucking title for a movie. But we saw it in IMAX. We saw it on a Wednesday night. It was gorgeous and loud and... So loud. Very loud. And it smelt better in there than I thought it would. <laughs> well, we, you know what? We the, sat away from everyone. Else. I was going to say, yeah, I, I did that on purpose. The, the I, last time, <laughs> last time I, I think I've sat that close... To a movie screen, I think it was one of the Saw movies, but the yeah. one that sticks to me the most was seeing this was Matrix Reloaded. Oh boy! Opening day at mm-hmm. Jamestown Mall, and there was two seats left, and there were front left, <sighs> second row, and the entire time the guy to my right, because me and my buddy Matt were he was the end seat. Yeah, he was all the I way was at the one end. end. Yeah. And the guy on my left the entire time was just leaning forward and staring at me. Mm. And I just remember like trying to watch the Burly Brawl and just being like, <laughs> why is this guy that looks kind strange of... strange man, yeah. Kind of kind of looks like, fuck the... You got what I need. Bismarck He kind of like Bismarck He oh, Just wow. like staring at me. <laughs> and uh, I mean, first of all, very comfortable viewing experience. Second of all, yeah. not a very great movie. No. Um, I mean, on reflection, uh, yeah. I mean, I can I can honestly say that the yeah, third one's know. a miserable experience, <sighs> and boy, in the fourth one, the less said the better. Hi, forty minutes of dogs barking. Welcome to the show. Shit, barking, uh, we yeah. got we got that far into the show, and I I, I realize I, mean, I feel like sometimes we get like thirty minutes into the show. That's before. true. <laughs> um, but My yes, name's Brian. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm Brian. This is Jason. This is Jason. This is Jason. Uh, yep. uh, we haven't recorded and. 
two weeks. Yeah, we took a we took a bit of a, a Thanksgiving break, and that was that was nice. But yeah, shit, the the whole world's gone to shit uh, in the in the intervening time. So <laughs> we've yeah, got a lot last, to. The last episode we recorded with with our uh, our buddy Ed, Zitron. our our good friend Ed Zitron. Yeah, well, and, that was. Uh, uh, and then we took Thanksgiving off, and then the, the episode that went live today. Uh, that would have been uh, Time Cube. Time Cube. Yes. That yes. Was our, that was uh, a wild one. To Gene do. Ray. Yeah, our good friend there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if we would call him our good friend. <laughs> talking with some guys at work today. Yeah. And uh, they are talking about this guy I hadn't heard of before. Oh, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, his name's Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> what did and, I tell uh, you about Kanye on, West on this show? Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Let, me, let me let me let me figure out what this guy is about. <laughs> me, uh, so I never heard. Of, he sounded really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's getting himself into trouble these days. A lot of hot really water. Hear, yeah. I didn't really hear about what here. <laughs> uh, so, Ye, Yay. born Kanye Omari West, is an American rapper. Songwriter, record producer, and fashion designer. That sounds pretty interesting. Mm, mm-hmm. He's got uh, kind of a blow tee going on, but you know he probably looked better when he was younger. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, on fashion designers club is Nike. Uh, okay, in August twenty-five. Sway Callaway spoke against good homophobia in the hip-hop industry. Pretty good. All okay. right, I'm liking yep. that. Yep. Um, he said he would go down as the voice of a generation uh, in 2008. It's a little pretentious. Just a touch, um, yeah. Uh, oh, anti-Semitism. Ah, uh, oh. yes, yes. Seems uh, seems uh seems bad. Seems seems not so great. <laughs> if you have to go on Infowars, and Alex Jones tells you to cool it, well, maybe I mean, here's, here's, the whole, here's the whole thing. Like why. People are always like, oh, he's too anti-Semitic for Tim Pool and Alex Jones. And like, yeah. Which is such a fucking bearing witness of suffering without mm. understanding it. Mm-hmm. Because what's going on there is the pushback and heavy parentheses here. Yeah, yeah. Alex Jones and Tim Pool. And oh, and, and their pushback is mild. The, well, their it. pushback is is not that they are anti-Semitic, that they aren't hateful, that they aren't bigoted, they aren't this, this, <laughs> and that, and the other, is that... Uh, Kanye West is being much too overt. Ah, uh, yes. They prefer their dog whistles to be mm-hmm. more dog whistly. Yes. yes. I saw someone on Twitter say that, uh, you know, what Alex Jones was trying to tell him was like, you know, folks, we use, uh, we use dog whistles on here. And he's like, and Kanye West's response was, uh, I can't hear that. I'm going to go. I want the full whistle. Yeah. I ain't a dog. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, uh, boy. So, uh. Gosh, I mean, everything's just so great. You know, here uh, in St. Louis, we're getting destroyed by both the <laughs> seasonal flu, uh, RSV, and COVID. And COVID, yeah. Yeah, so. uh, everyone at my job sounds like when they talk, that there is also like a bag of soda can tabs also being crushed slowly at the same time. Everyone just sounds like shit. Yeah, no, there's there's some Jesus. stuff I would I would love I'll tell you off mic. Yeah, it's yeah. just absolutely fucking absurd. But yeah. so I'm just saying like we're recording this first of December. Yeah. Uh your holiday season's probably gonna be fucked wherever you live. Super duper, quadruple fucked. I mean, it's uh, we went out to the movies last night and I because we were so isolated and we kind of sat, you know, I did that on purpose. You know, I chose seats that were far enough away from other people. But even then I was like, Man, should I have been should I have been fully masked the whole time? Because... I started. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to slam those ten dollars beers. Yeah, well, you know, 
You do what you can. And <laughs> there was a solid hour where I was beerless uh, in the movie. You kept, kept getting up, and I was like, I don't know, the like, bathroom. Oh, oh. <laughs> See, yeah, I was either thinking, like, he's either going to get another beer, he's going to the bathroom, or he's too embarrassed to drink his airport bottles of Jägermeister no. next to me. No, no, I don't, t- <laughs> I don't touch that stuff. Jägermeister is poison. Don't, don't. Oh, don't, I love it. Yeah? Yeah, it's uh, like the dirt bike, the dirt <laughs> bag. The dirt bike hardcore kid, yes. I can, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely have, I definitely have I gonna say. Vibes, the vibes of someone that had dirt bike as, <laughs> as a teenager like and got the, into a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's the Johnny Lawrence in uh, Karate Kid kind of drink of choice, yeah. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> when, when, when you can't get Mad Dog, I guess I'll take the Jägermeister. <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, it turns my stomach, man. I can't do oh, it. I think it's, I think it's a real, a real peaceful drink. Well, I mean, if it's cold, I guess that's a whole ice nother. Cold. Yeah, it's got to be cold. But uh, yeah, if it's like ice cold and <laughs> like a frosted glass, even. Ooh, yeah, I can see that. It. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, if you treat it like a schnapps or something instead of doing a shot, like like my college friends would would try to do, I think that may change the experience yeah. a bit. I think you're right there. Yeah, there's a this chick, them, Snapchat friends with. I don't even know how like we added each other mm-hmm. maybe i know her from somewhere or something but like all she really does on snapchat is like complain about her job at the mall <laughs> which is awesome because she's right it's about all the shit she complains about fantastic but then like the rest of her time like when she's not at work is just like her snapchats are just her like sitting in her apartment like ripping a giant bong with <laughs> her tits out and like just slamming jaeger what a beautiful human being what yeah a beautiful human being sounds like it Speaking of beautiful human beings, uh, Liver King. Are you familiar with this guy? Uh, yeah, he's like one of those like nationalist dudes. Yeah, he he, sphere. he insists that you know eating uh, so natty, bro. Yeah, he's so natty. Well, as it turns out, oh, he's on steroids. Yeah, I mean, who you look at his physique? <laughs> I mean, Joe Rogan has has said that the guy has an ass full of steroids and. You know, broken clock right twice a day. Joe Rogan I mean, uh, is I feel correct. Like Joe there. Rogan is probably one of those celebrities that that can probably tell you if someone's natty or not. Yeah. Well, so the guy more was it was it more plates more dates is another lifter there posted a video and basically listed off all the different substances that Liver King is on. We're talking IGF, CJC, Omnitrope, Deca, Winstrol, and Test CYP. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with... That's like six different cycles of steroids. At the same time. At the same time. God, his nuts have yeah. to be like fucking Mark McGuire small. No, I'm not a hamburger, but they call me Big Mac. Got the one-ton Jimmy and the itty-bitty. Sack. My balls drinky-dinky cause the roids so strong. But it makes the aforementioned Jimmy Jam look <laughs> Raisins. Just a little... Just ridiculous. He was doing human growth hormone. I mean, there, there's just so much stuff going on there. But he's one of those manosphere guys, and yeah, he's like, oh, eat testicles or whatever. That is actually, I think, one yeah, of his testicles things. Testicles eating liver. Yeah, yeah. To get all these, you know, specific proteins to to be to be natty, and and the motherfucker's juicing. So I love a little bit of shouting for in the morning. So I thought that was a nice. That's uh, pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of something that's not 100% for real, do you like my segues? I've been working on them. 
I've been pretty good. It's been pretty it, good. It, it reminds me that you once had a, a time in, in radio. <laughs> brief, a brief uh, seven-year stint in, in pu- public radio. So, <laughs> brief, brief, Gosh, you sound like they chained it. They changed it to the console. I, well, and it was like, I mean, here's another Captain Beefheart reissue, you fucking animal. It, you know what? Like when I was doing uh, overnight work for, for a guy who's now on the radio in, um, in Kansas City, I produced for him from like 11 to 7. You really kind of were. You were a slave to the commercial break. Yeah. So like every 15 minutes, man, if you had to pee, you got a minute and a half. You got to get down the hall, go to the bathroom, come back. So, I mean, yeah, you kind of were if you're producing. You're kind of chained to the desk anyway. But segues uh, did become a specialty. Uh, at Katie D.I. Martin. Had this wonderful post go viral this week. Oh, I've seen this. It's beautiful. Read it off for us. Sure thing. And I'm quoting here. I'm a kindergarten teacher, and every day I make my students choose new pronouns. And when they recite the Pledge of Allegiance, they have to say pride flag instead of flag of the United States of America and gay instead of God. So, the, of course, every last moron on the face of the planet fell for what is very much easy very bait. obviously a fucking base level troll. <laughs> like it's very well done, but this isn't like a master work or anything. No, I am Ian Miles. Ch- I said Ian. What the fuck Ian is Ian? Ian Miles Chong. Uh, yeah. Uh, pedophile friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Ian Miles Chong. Wokeness is a religion. He, he does in yeah. the quote tweets there. Is he like a, no, wait, is he the one that has the fake? No, he's the one that lives like in the Philippines or some shit, right? Yeah, he does. He's not. He's he doesn't even live here. Yeah, he's 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 full. He's care mad. Yeah. about American politics and the culture war over here. But he right. lives in some country that like the CIA like killed like a generation of men in. I want to say Myanmar. Yeah, I mean, probably. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Malaysia. I don't know. I mean, he obviously does not have a strong father figure because we all all the men there stepped on landmines or got addicted to cigarettes. <laughs> So people going into her replies, of course, saying, you know, be lucky, ain't my kids you're teaching because you would cease to breathe. I promise you that. And she responds with, your kid is in my class, actually. (laughs) (laughs) She knows what she's doing and she's doing it well. It it really reminded Uh, me of that one bit that uh, I can't even remember who did it. I think it might have been Derek who did... I work at a at the post office. Post office, yeah. <laughs> and, and every single every single Republican vote that comes through, I throw in the throw trash. It got to the point where USPS's official Twitter account had to be like, "This guy does not work for us." The fact that it got that far is just wonderful. So yeah, um, and and of course, Katie uh, herself in her bio says that you know um, she, she's a PhD at MIT linguistics. So of course. These people don't even go so far as to like actually read her bio because they're like, we found the school district you work for. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, her pin tweet now is, an important law of the internet is that every joke tweet must have at least one reply from someone who has never encountered the concept of a joke before, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. definitely follows suit from this stuff. Just, if God, you, just amazing. If you can, find her account and, and read through because she's kind of posted the, the best ofs of the death threats that she's gotten yeah if you can if you can sit there and read through them it's it's boy it's it's at least a half hour of your time worth worth spending there um and the the one tweet also you know we're still hung up on this asshole elon musk well it's, it's um <laughs> i will say that is a little bit refreshing that even publications like Time mm-hmm. are starting to pull back the veil on Elon Musk and showing what just like a fucking shithead he is. 
and uh, you know, particularly with the public infrastructure stuff that he has de- uh, derailed, no pun intended, for yeah. his slow-moving death trap tube that has a <laughs> Tesla three going in a circle. <laughs> you know, like, gosh, I know there's probably something you want to talk about, but the Neuralink thing. Oh, guys, killing monkeys in mass. Monkeys. <laughs> just, the, just a monkey that just, that just keeps saying the word tain, tain, <laughs> orb, orb. Orb, plate, 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 burnt, dirt, dirt, burnt, dirt, dirt. Fifteen chicken nuggets, becoming the smiling man. Yeah, <laughs> these apes are sick. Oh, what the dog doing? Like, what that dog doing? <laughs> just, just, God, God, just, yeah, it's just, just a, this terrible thing of just. Mm. Killing like was it ninety eight percent of the test animals died? Yeah, yeah. That that, that numbers in like the thousands, if I remember correctly. Jesus God. Christ! But it's no, so uh... many, there's so many delicious burgers denied the mouth. <laughs> Jesus, God, you, what? What? You don't like bush meat? You never, <laughs> boy, you never, boy, you never had yourself a squirrel or a little bit of venison. No, I've had a squirrel and venison. It's fine. I wasn't thinking monkey is all. That's that. That's you the only what, thing. Man, that... listen, listen. With the way climate change is going mm-hmm. we're gonna all have to eat some protein we ain't sure proud of. no yeah I'll, I'll eat the bugs that's fine I eat the bugs eat the cricket then and i've and, had cricket actually and be like so, oh i love aoc is my eat my cricket burger yeah. and ride my uh recumbent bike down to the to the intergender <laughs> coffee shop to the gender store to, to the gender <laughs> store where i will or i where i'll buy my my garlic crusher because my feminine hands are too weak to crush a garlic by hand, so I have to get. You understand here, I get an apparatus here because I I've been taking estrogen pills right. in the mail so I can keep voting liberal and drinking soy. Yeah, drinking yeah. soy. And, yeah. Oh god, what a tortured idea <laughs> I just was expounding on. But I mean, there's there's people that literally like I work with people that literally think that like if you eat soy that you're just going to all of a sudden become like RuPaul or something. Yeah, get fucking double D's and like. I wish I god. was fucking jugged out. Man. Yeah, Jesus. God damn. Never I leave the house. I'd be doing this podcast, right? If I just was fucking, just you could fucking pop a ball cap off these fucking tits. Bam. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> no, but what I want to talk about was Elon's post with the fake gun. With the fake gun, <laughs> two fake guns in the same photo. Uh, it's my bedside table. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, yeah, at Elon Musk, uh, November twenty eighth was when he posted. It. it was a couple days back, and it's it's clearly just kind of a. a I, I it's kinda... a fake gun from Cyberpunk, caffeine-free diet cokes. Which four, is four, <laughs> and there's a ring of one. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The only thing missing is like a cheap Pyrex bong with dirty water in it. I'm sure that's on the other bedside table. If we're, you know, for yeah. But yeah, the the the, uh, the one gun does look like a Cyberpunk gun, and then and the, behind it there's a a replica flintlock pistol that has a the painting of washington going over the delaware on it it's just it's it's giving divorce dad energy there's a lot of it's really fucking like the psychopathic i think there's a okay i'm married to a therapist so maybe not exactly that but there's definitely a it's not whimsical no there's there's no joy in anything he's doing anymore because no. like if i was to post with a fake gun there, there would be at least something whimsical about it. Yeah, to a degree, at least. I let, let me voice Mario, or else I pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Show me Meg you know. White's, or you know what? Yeah. 
me, I, I brought this up on a previous episode. Is it's like the idea, the mindset of billionaires and, and the rich, yeah, is one of little of imagination and no, little yeah. joy, and we all get to bear the brunt of their suffering and their impotence in whatever way it manifests itself. Yeah, because I mean, like, while he might not be like sexually impotent in the in the, you know he might not have ED or whatever, but there's a I don't think he's I don't think his hog game is good right now. No, but it's it's not non-existent because of all the damn kids he's had with employees, you know. Well, I think the tw- the twins he had with the the exec of S- SpaceX. SpaceX, yeah. I think that was um, you know, a little uh, little turkey baster in the cooch kind of deal. Oh, you think so? Uh, I and the second child he had with Grimes was also uh, through a surrogate. Grimes. Yeah, I just I can't say her name without going Grimes. Grimes. <laughs> Groins, you, know, and you left she, me groins. She's having a really great moment herself. Oh yeah, where, uh, where she's trying to talk to a text AI oh, and thinking that she's like really found something really meaningful. Yeah, when in fact that like the text AI is is being very forthcoming about its its intent and operation and its scope of ability. <sighs> yeah. So you know, obviously, just a great week for brain geniuses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's. I, I can't think of a better week for just showing your whole ass online it's just oh, been God. it's been an early christmas we got a bumper crop this year bumper it's just crop. oh yeah and i'm sure there's going to be more ftx fallout <sighs> yeah yeah um which i'm oh is that is that uh, actually uh, we 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 can uh, there was one more uh, one more thing that oh the uh the the, the mario movie had its uh, second mm-hmm. trailer there and everyone of course went uh, absolutely bug nuts like they do uh because peach you know is a strong, confident woman, and she's going to gaslight Girl Boss Gatekeep uh, yeah, her way through this. the movie. Oh, the the new season of On Cinema at the Cinema is rolling along quite well. I, I, I highly recommend if you if you don't already. I love this movie. I'm Tim Heidecker, and you're watching On Cinema at the Cinema. Quite on set. I mean, it's got it's got the guy who does Neil Hamburger. Mm-hmm. Um, who I'm a big fan yeah, Greg of, Greg Turkington, yeah, Mike Turkington. And if you're a, uh, a What We Do in the Shadows fan, Mike Mark Prosh, who plays Craig Robinson in, in What We Do in the Shadows, uh, uh, is also in that. Joe Estevez, Martin Sheen's brother. Uh, <laughs> no shit, <laughs> no shit. My, you know, <laughs> you know. I once did my Neil Her- Hamburger impression to Clownvis. Oh wow! And when I started it, you could tell that he didn't love it, but by the end of it, he was like, "Actually, that's pretty good." And I was like, "Would you do a little Neil Hamburger for us?" What's worse. The nine eleven, what? Three eleven. <laughs> <laughs> See around this house. Why <laughs> oh. did Anthony Kias go to the pawn shop? I don't know. He heard they might have some good junk. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen. I haven't seen Neil Hamburger. I haven't seen him live wow. in like ten years. So That's it's pretty good. Off, no, no. Um, around this house, uh, every Thanksgiving and Christmas, I bust out. Why won't Donald Trump <laughs> be having any cranberry sauce this Christmas? Why? Well, hopefully he'll be dead by then. We <laughs> 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 gotta bleep that there. Uh, yeah, just uh, just a wonderful a wonderful jokester. The, the America's one dollar funny man. I love him so much. He's so good. <laughs> but Greg Turkington in the on cinema uh, universe. 
He's such a sad sack, and it's really wonderful to see. He's so good. He, he's just so, he's kind of playing, you know, kind of like Tim is, he's playing an alternate version of himself where he's this pompous uh, mm-hmm. movie expert. And I feel like uh, the breath mint sometimes, I feel like, oh, fuck, I'm doing Greg Turkington. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about movies, I'm like, yeah, it was 97 minutes. And, um, Anyway, the, um, the cinematographer yeah, was, uh, also did cinematography yeah, yeah, yeah. and saw two. <laughs> right, he's the guy who did. So, crypto scam of the week. You mentioned it briefly, and you're listening to 48 minutes of dogs barking the podcast. And now it's time for the crypto scam of the week. Oh boy, it is related to our good friends FTX and Sandbank and Freed. Oh yeah, um, BlockFi. Uh, crypto lender BlockFi. BlockFi was a company that would lend you currency to then buy cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. with the expectation, of course, that you would then pay back like any lender would with a VIG or a cut or whatever you want to call it with interest. The long and short of it is that they filed for bankruptcy. Let's see. They're filing in a New Jersey court. This is courtesy of Reuters comes as crypto prices have plummeted. The price of Bitcoin, again, this is a couple days ago, uh, is down more than 70%. BlockFi's Chapter 11 restructuring underscores significant asset contagion risks Mm. with the associated crypto ecosystem. Uh, That's Mansoor Hussain. Yeah, just, it's fallout. It's just fallout from FTX exploding. Zach Prince created this, I don't even know how long ago, but I mean, it... it, um, Talking about BlockFi? Yeah, BlockFi, BlockFi uh, created yeah, by Zach Prince. for a minute. Yeah, and they had, and I'm, you know, big air quotes, significant exposure to, I'm guessing, FTT yeah. and the FTX exchange. So it's a ripple effect, man. Everything that's exploding with SBF and Alameda and all that, it's all coming down the pike, and this is just yet another one. You know, I mean, we've got, shit, they pulled six billion from binance if i remember correctly who did uh block fly block or ftt oh i'm sorry uh filed for protection oh traders pulled six billion from ftx yeah no they've i mean it was literally a bank run yeah because cz threatened or it gave the idea that he might pull binance's interest from, which was substantial yeah which i don't think he really did I'm not sure. That's a little foggy. I've I've said I've read some reports that implies that he did, and some that they didn't. Yeah, and I've seen some stuff on Twitter that goes both ways as well. What's interesting though is that now some people are starting to look at Binance and wondering yeah. if if CZ is using BNB mm-hmm. the same way uh, FTX was using FTT. And there's some some stuff, some yeah. ripples in the water that there's not enough evidence to say yes or no, but like they are not uh, encouraging. The BlockFi thing gets even weirder. They announced the bankruptcy filing. Mm-hmm. At the same day, they announced that they're suing Sam Bankman-Fried, seeking to recover shares in Robinhood. Yes. Yes, yes I, read, I read about this. This is a fucking crazy layer to this onion. Yeah, so essentially... SBF pledged these shares in Robinhood as collateral back in October before BlockFi and FTX both filed for bankruptcy. 
So essentially, not only are they filing for bankruptcy, now they're suing Bankman Freed to get some of this money back that, that was supposed to, oh, Jesus, and it's, it's, a, it's a house of cards and we're starting to see it come down. It's fucking wild. And some, some people have kind of said, well, you know, while everything is going on in crypto, thankfully it's so insulated from everything else, it hasn't necessarily affected the general world economy. Well, I'm knocking on wood because so far, but I mean, a couple and more of these and we're going to start, yeah. These, yeah, um, I mean... Usually it's the other way that what the activity of equities and uh, the stock market kind of affects or influences what goes on crypto and usually not the other way around. That's true. But we are now seeing, we're seeing this shit really come home. We're seeing, I saw some, I I need to fucking start saving these tweets when I come home. Yeah, yeah. But I saw someone comment that, you know, the thing that the next knock on effect is that now because the last bull run, particularly in crypto, mm-hmm. was so strong, and we saw people making such gains. I mean, there's people that bought a hundred dollars a shib that turned into million dollars. You know, sure. October last year, or October 2021. You know, there's these kind of stories that flow around. But now, what's what's really dangerous is that there's these hundreds of people that made their money in the bull run, and now they've got some cash that's uh, burning the hole in their pocket, and they're looking at other shit. The you know the octopus is growing more legs, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's can... more. There's more people that are looking to be adventurous. There's all the bullshit going on with uh, Meta and Web three. Yep. Uh, you know, everyone's fucking trying to blow that snake. That smoke. <laughs> blow that snake is pretty good. I'll take it. <laughs> everyone's trying. Hey, hey, you, you stop sucking off my snake. If you ain't, if you don't suck off. If you ain't gonna let me suck off your snake, don't let don't suck off my snake. I don't like it. You know, it's, it's uh, only fair. Yeah, yeah, the cloaca. But there's this. I think that you're right. The knock-on effect. I think for this time around is gonna be pretty huge. It's not gonna be like what we saw at the end of the bull run in 2017 and the fallout in 2018. There's right. just so much more money. There's so many more people to play. There's so many more grifters. Oof. You know, it's no longer people that are giving themselves brain damage, mining Bitcoin in their mom's <laughs> basement. You know, there's these huge operations. There's there's the footprint of everything that's going on with crypto and Web3 and that whole ecosystem is just so much bigger if not by money, but by the amount of people trying to make something happen, mostly yeah. for bad reasons. Here's what's even more interesting. I, 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 I guess I hadn't read all, all the way through. Uh, again, per Reuters, BlockFi in a complaint in New Jersey Bankruptcy Court said Emergent Fidelity Technologies Limited had defaulted on its obligations. So Emergent guaranteed repayment of obligations of Alameda, the crypto hedge fund associated with FTX, because Emergent holds a 7.42% share of Robinhood. Mm. So this is where I have a feeling Robinhood, if, if some of this stuff starts really, really going to shit, these trading platforms, Robinhood, SoFi, whatever it is, you know, uh, whatever retail investors is what they would call them, Whenever retail investors are staked in Robinhood or shit, I mean, any any trading platform, Coinbase, I think had a had a guy that that was pretty leveraged to the hilt, and a couple things like that, where like it's not just the retail investors, but then the platforms themselves are going to start getting into problems. So then then we're going to really start seeing the dominoes knocking them knocking them all the way down. Yeah, I would I would not be surprised. Yeah, I mean, just seven percent. With Alameda, well, who else has, you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. else has majority shares? 
just it's it's a real rickety boat and we're starting to see the holes start showing up yeah you know um nothing good nothing good going on (laughs) no yeah i mean uh, it's almost like capitalism can't like really go more than like 10 12 years without shit in the bed in some catastrophic fashion wow (laughs) i just i i had i had a moment because i i was just thinking you said that i was like yeah i've been at my job for about 10 years and I've been paying into a 401k, an investment yeah. program. And just in the past year, the 401k has dropped $15,000 in value. Um, and that is and that is with like allocations that are strictly like slow growth funds. Like these are supposed to be real safe allocations. It's mm. it's going to be a bloodbath further on down the line. It's, it's almost like replacing uh, pensions with four hundred one k's was a bad idea. Not a great not a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've listened to a few podcasts on that particular subject, and it's like it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's miserable. Uh, what four hundred one k's because they're untested. Basically, it was basically like, this. This seems like a cool idea, and then everyone was just like, it's like credit scores. Like, ah, fuck it, sure, whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's so strange that like that is how we just came to this thing yeah like yeah, somebody like, fuck it. you know what you know what you know what fuck mm. it you know what i ain't gotta work tomorrow you know like, right. that's the kind yeah. of vibe yeah, like, you yeah. know what you know ain't gonna, hey listen if it's a bad idea i ain't gotta deal with it till monday yeah oh jesus that's the weekend guys deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting up here with my feet up i got my fucking coors light yeah, yeah. fucking i got my uh i got my bic lighter when you turn it upside down the woman's clothes disappear Oh man! Just got got my whole Saturday <laughs> planned out. He's got shit going on. Yeah, um, just, just got some big <laughs> ideas rolling around in his head, just waiting for the right day to tell him. Ah, uh, perfect segue. Speaking of big ideas, it's our main story of the week. Oh, it's an old website. Oh, we love old websites on the show, don't we, Brian? We do. We do love old it's websites. It's almost like the, the current world we live in isn't worth enjoying. Kind of. So we have to look backwards to a time where at least things were entertaining. Damn. I think that's the... that's. I mean, it, this is, I mean, I think part... I mean, I kind of always felt like this podcast was some way was nostalgia for the sake of uh, reclaiming something that we can no longer find in our current lives, uh, which is fine. Like, I'm not, like, saying we're bad for doing it, but I'm no, aware I, of what I, we're doing. I, I hadn't even thought of it in those terms so this is a moment of like wow dawning realization so that's anyways fun. anyways <laughs> caught it uh, live on mic that's fun i once uh, i once saw a guy get hit by a train <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay go on um he looked he looked sick <laughs> <laughs> that's it huh that's all you're gonna share all right yeah uh, it's uh it was terrible I, I i kept i kept waving my arms at him and he's just waving at me Jesus. And uh yeah, you know what some people were late to the airport, but uh I think they I think they made their flights. <laughs> so in the end, you know, positive, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Got what they wanted. It's fine. <laughs> oh boy. All uh, right. So so uh speaking of uh, nostalgia for a web long past, the spark. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the spark, Brian? Do you know what the spark oh, is yes. slash was? Very much. I think the spark was probably up there with Something awful, mm-hmm. rotten style project, and uh, misanthropic like bitch. Oh. <laughs> misanthropic bitch, yes. I think I mockery was another okay. big one. Yeah, and yeah. like Newgrounds, yeah, like probably like the big early websites for me for sure. So I didn't come across this until my college years because this was '99 when yeah. uh, it, it was first founded, 
The uh, tagline, of course, of the site was Internet-like burning, which was an oblique Simpsons reference in a yeah. time where that wasn't that common. That was kind of fun. The Spark was an attempt at doing, I don't know, I'm going to say like a, a, a blog. It wasn't necessarily even a blog in the way that you would think of one. Because they had some some goofy early proto BuzzFeed shit like the IQ test yeah. and, and the hoe test and the, the politics <laughs> test, the and... bastard test, the bitch test, the the death test, which would tell you the date that you were going to die. Mine said twenty twenty two, so ha ha ha, you're stuck with me. Um, you know. <laughs> you know what though? We got a whole entire month, Jason. And... <laughs> I've got some arsenic. This is evidence uh, in the future trial of of Brian Center. They also tried to do a... Contempt of court for not washing my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Rip for the week! Calling it! Oh, baby. That's the 48 minutes of dogs barking riff of the week. The defendant's penis smells like a jack-in-the-box taco. We must remove him until he can wash his genitalia. Bailiff, get this man out of my sight. Get this man out of here. Uh, well, Stinky, uh, stinky Dick, stinky stinky dick <laughs> Project. Jeez. Yeah, speaking God, of... Me, me at London Calling in 2009. St- <laughs> <laughs> it's like me on a given weekday. This, uh, speaking of uh, stinky things and all that... Uh, Brian alluded to it just a minute ago. There were several projects, projects uh, under yeah. the science heading of the Spark, that were influential, at least as far as I understood it, to my brand of comedy. About, hey, I wonder what would happen if I did a thing. <laughs> so this was, you know, pre YouTube. This was pre pretty much everything. I mean, they, they built this the site very early. This yeah. Is like- 99 2001 yeah i think i think when i first started really reading the spark it was like around 2000 2001 ish yeah and uh yeah those tests and like the i think the one was a the stinky feet project is the yes one that really stuck with me because it involved all these terrible things like a guy like putting people putting plastic bags on their feet yes he intentionally gave himself athlete's foot amazing <laughs> <laughs> yes by wrapping his feet in plastic and leaving them there in there for I think it was at least a month if not more. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing that really drew me in was the stinky meat project. Now this was he bought uh, hot dogs, he bought mm-hmm. ground beef, and he bought I think some steak or pork. I can't remember if it was like pork steak or whatever. And then just left them outside <laughs> and took <laughs> photos every day and wrote about it. And it was it was in the effort posting type of time where you yeah. you really had to 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 follow along every week as he's going yeah. okay day seven it's really starting to smell out here you know yeah uh, when <laughs> i would go visit my father on the weekends and he had internet that was like checking the spark was like all the projects like date my sister and all that and... okay so date my sister was an interesting one because one of the founders of the site had he was trying to set his sister up with a nice guy uh-huh. a noble thing a noble cause sure but he did it through surreptitious means. He had hidden cameras, you know, the stuff. And so I've been doing research for this episode for the past week. And Date My Sister has been scrubbed from the, from the Wayback Machine. It has been scrubbed from the internet so thoroughly, the only references to it are oblique bits in articles on blogs. Like, you cannot find an archive of the Date My Sister project. That's fucking crazy. It is bizarre. 
because I guess it was a privacy thing. Maybe it was something about I don't know. Th- th- there's you said something to me that there was like a, there was a very large potential for a consent issue. Yeah, because I don't know how much the sister was in on the project. That was the real one. Sure. Yeah, and because like a lot of these projects, you know, the stinky feet one. Okay, I'm volunteering to put my feet in a plastic bag and photograph it. Or I'm going to eat like shit for a month. Oh, yes. See what happens. Yes, the, the fat project. That's yeah. the one where the, the guy uh, pre-Morgan Spurlock, pre-supersized me, that was the guy he was going was to it, get was real it the, fat. Was it the Stinky Feet project or the, the fat gang project where there was a male and female contestant? Yes, the, the fat project was a male and female contestant, yes. Okay, that, okay. That, that was those two and they would weigh in at the beginning of every week and all that. Yeah, they, they're... As far as gimmicky shit that they did for the website, at least they had some sort of scientific rigor, mild as though it may have been. There was cons- enough consistency to make it compelling and and have a line of logic. Right. But like stinky meat, pretty simple. You know, he took three kinds of meat over let, the... Let him hang outside. <laughs> 19 days outside. Ooh. In the neighbor's yard. That was the detail... <laughs> That was the detail God, that I, I love, missed. I, I, those here, folks, <laughs> fo- folks, you may not understand this, but it's little details like that that made early internet shit just just delightful because uh, it would be kiss. like it would just be like so like uh, yeah, I've just been like throwing, getting, finding really cool ways to deal with my dog's turds in the backyard, <laughs> and they've been I've been putting them in my neighbor's kid's dollhouse in the back, <laughs> right? You know, like just like just maniacal twisted shit where you like. Well, I'm glad it's not happening to me, but I'm, but it's funny that it might be happening to someone else. To someone else, yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if you remember how the Stinky Meat Project ended. I, you know, that's one that one's pretty far in, in the old noggin there. So please enlighten me. Essentially, the the neighbor found the meat. Thankfully, the the Malin Smith, the author of the article, was not arrested. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they probably were not on speaking terms with their neighbor after that. <laughs> yeah, so the project, after 19 days, was interrupted. We didn't get to see the full month like he had originally planned. But, uh, but yeah. boy, if those pictures, if you go on uh, web.archive.org and look, uh, it's uh, the spark.com slash health slash stinky meat. You can follow along the 19-day journey. Three packages of meat. You know, the, what really weirded me out was that the hot dogs pretty much survived. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're so loaded with cal- uh, calcium, sodium. Nitrates, nitrates and preservatives. And yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so in early summer 2010, uh-huh. when I was a house photographer at the Firebird, there was a little band from Atlanta, Georgia called mm. Tree Fort. Okay. T-R-E-E-P-H-O-R-T. Uh, oh, um, far side spelling. Yeah. Yes, yes. And they were just like weird crusty dudes <laughs> from Atlanta and one the singer told me that he like ran this all ages venue in Atlanta and like I, I like looked this up one time and it was all true but they had brought their friend who was like just like a walking shit show <laughs> and he was like I remember he had suspenders on a giant beer gut no shirt and he the suspenders were made to look like classroom rulers and he was just absolutely drunk out of his mind, like passed out on the stage. Like it was really a lot for a show that I think maybe 50 people showed up to. <laughs> but what I remember was that the drunk friend was like throwing around frozen hot dogs. Oh no. And we thought we had gotten them all. Oh no. And 
that winter we were doing some renovations in the venue and one of the things was putting in a new floor so we're like moving the uh pinball machines around one of the uh booth seats that we have against the wall all that stuff and um we found a hot dog no from that that show and it looked like it just came out of the package. I was like a little dusty. It was definitely oh. a little gross. But it looked it looked I hate to say still edible. Intact, yeah. Yeah, which oh. was like you know, and that was mind you, early summer. That is before the Boris show where the air conditioner broke. Oof. And it was so gross and sweaty that I remember standing outside and when people would open the door, I would see steam yeah. escape the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is double disgusting now in the era of COVID, right? But oh, you know, God, back yeah. then, yeah. But anyways, that's that's just just to, to, to strengthen your your argument of how untouched the uh, hot dogs looked. Yeah, just ridiculous. The the <laughs> by day eighteen, I'm looking back through the archives here. Unfortunately, a lot of the links to the pictures are gone. We don't have the actual photos, which I guess. Good and bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't necessarily I, do it. I guess it's also the same time, like on modern computer monitor. How <laughs> how great would like a three hundred and twenty pixel image right. look? Yeah, like high res at that time was like four eighty by six hundred. You know, like oh yeah. boy, you know. But yeah, like there, there there were maggots. You know, there were flies around the meat. You know, by day eighteen, the hot dogs had disappeared, which they chalked up to you know neighborhood dogs or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the Stinky Meat Project, big foundational bit because, you know, he's like, I'm going to go put my head next to this and take pictures of it. <laughs> Amazing. People doing dumb shit on the internet has existed since the internet existed. But to me, this was like ground zero for, for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. YouTube people doing pranks and shit. Like all that can really be traced back to Just go, every, every iteration of going up to a stranger and being like, hey, what does my fingers smell like? <laughs> Oh fuck yeah! Like <laughs> butterscotch, yeah, that's what I thought too. You want to make five bucks the hard way? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, why did the cowgirl walk bow legged? I don't know. Spend twenty bucks and find out. <laughs> oh fuck! Kind of, kind of checking my wallet here. Let me see. <laughs> the stinky meat project, um, the fat project, really, yeah. Cause so it was uh, two volunteers, Eric and Nicole. Yeah, I remember. Nicole, you know, short-haired uh, white woman, dark hair, very, very fit, very attractive uh, yeah. young lady. And, of course, their weigh-in pictures were in their underwear. So there was a little bit of, you know, a little, uh, little, little that, cheesecake. A little cheesecake for you. Eric volunteered to get fat. You know, he's a guy. It's not in bad shape. Not in bad shape. 121 pounds. Yeah, you know. Um, Wearing a back, backwards baseball cap in his weigh-in? Is that what? Or yes. Is that his hair? Okay. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like actually Ooh. Eric was 174 pounds, body fat 17%. Uh, Nicole, 121 pounds, 9.5% fat. She'll need to quadruple the fat on her frame in the next 30 days, which might require... Oh, yeah. And then, and then, of course, there's photos of... Okay. So... <laughs> Man, yeah, they're really like, we got a woman to pose in her underwear. Oh, yeah. They really kind of uh, played into this. Although they also, like, force-fed this guy donuts. Oh, God, there's fear <laughs> fetish. Yeah, there's some, there's, some, there's some people that I'm sure that had a sexual awakening to these photos. Yeah, yeah. this is this is like uh, the, like, rescue rangers for weird food fetish <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
they just spend several pages going over like this first fat heavy meal that these people are going to consume. It, it, it went on for a good 30 days. Yeah, I remember this much. Multiple updates per day, and, you know, a couple different pages. And, and the fact that it went on for so long and the fact that like, here's our, you know, here's our weigh in, here's our scales, here's Nicole in her underwear again, you know, just, I, Sick. Yeah. she's old now. <laughs> this is like this is literally 22 years old let's see 99 yeah makes 22 23 years old yeah um yeah let's see and so yeah it, uh, nicole's goal was 151 151 for the fat project seemed a little because because yeah. uh, the, the goal was 30 pounds in 30 days gosh you would have to be eating like four or five thousand calories a day right for most people because I forget how many calories is equivalent to like a pound of fat. It's 2,000 a day is your recommended. So then you, you got to go over that by another two to, to at least add something. I don't know what the actual math is. When I was like flirting with the idea of having um, disordered eating. Okay. Which is, which is <laughs> when you like work in really extreme circumstances like a warehouse that doesn't have air conditioning during like a heat wave yeah you you start doing some really fucked up things with your diet because like just eating like any real amount of food just becomes incredibly uncomfortable yeah so sometimes there were days where i was probably burning four four five hundred calories probably only taking in like 1200 yeah really cool really cool uh i i can't say i have a friend named anna but I might have I might have a you know a side piece. I did find the the photos of the final the final photos there. They are looking a little thicker. They are looking a little thicker, but boy, Fat Project did not pan out quite the way that the people who originated probably intended. Uh, Chubby you, Project, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like thick with two yeah. C's project. <laughs> Maybe a third C just for balance, but yeah, um, yeah, it's not nearly <laughs> as. Uh, in, I mean, it's. It, I mean, it. It is it good. Early internet entertainment, yes. What really interests me about the Spark is not just the stuff that was on it, because you know, there were the tests, there was various articles, there were. God, I think there was even some like proto incel shit on there about like, you know, why won't women date me kind of article. I think so, yeah. But there was also in the year 2000, the creators sold the site to iTurf Inc. So the idea being the Spark also sold essentially Cliff's Notes for stuff you would need to know in college called Spark Notes. Spark Notes got sold to iTurf iTurf, in turn, sold it to Barnes & Noble. Yes, at the Which time. Which is insane. The yeah, about. in 2000, too. That was the height yeah. of their power. Rubbing two nickels together. There <laughs> two fingers. Was, they had a power. They had the power, power. supreme. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2003, they started doing SparkNotes test prep, which was essentially a service where you could, you know, oh, I'm going to study for the ACT. Okay, well, you buy... A course, yeah. yeah. You buy a course of study materials and all that. So once Barnes and Noble got a hold of it, the Spark ceased to be what it was before. It really went in a completely different direction, focusing strictly on the Spark Notes, and they even changed the URL. It went from the Spark.com to SparkNotes.com. They started publishing books, poetry classics, uh, Flash Kids, which was uh, Flash card uh, educational books for kindergartners. They started doing stuff like 
creating a, a, a very early mobile app for iPhone when iPhone was first coming out, uh, doing things like study guides, download the study guide to your phone, which was something yeah. new. It was it's such a strange turn for something that was so experimental and new. Because I, I, as far as I know, 99, something like the Spark where they're doing not rigorous science experiments, sure. but they're at least measuring data and they're getting photos and they're doing, you know, they're, they're doing science, big quotes, <laughs> with, with human subjects and all that. And that was interesting. Yeah. And um, test prep is not. That's purpose, yeah. I mean, like, if that was always the thing that kind of was really interesting to me about the Spark, was it like, yes, they could have like humorous articles and these weird tests, and these interesting projects, but also it's like, hey, do you need our version of Cliff Notes for weighing for Godot? Right. You know, like, or, uh, you know, Shakespeare or some shit, or. Yeah. Huck you know, Finn, Scarlet yeah, Letter, yeah. Yeah, all the fun stuff where the red fern grows, just in case you got hit with a rock mm-hmm. as a child. Uh, the dog dies. That's all yeah, you need to know about it. that book. Yep. Dog dies and the red fern grows there. Yeah, spoiler alert. It's very alert. sad. Yeah, uh, the bloodhound dies in the boy's lap. Uh, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Anyways, very much. And I, you know, it's funny because I think we're kind of neglecting the most long-lasting remnant of the spark, which oh, is... Uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the creators of the spark, after they sold all their content to Barnes & Noble, created OkCupid. Using uh, what they learned from the Date My Sister project. This is my theory. Using what they learned. Yeah, it was basically taking a lot of elements from the Spark Mm -hmm. and repackaging them for a dating website, which was more novel and interesting than, um, like, Plenty of Fish or, like... It was, like, the most engaging dating site on the internet at the time I can think of. You know, me like a fucking loser that had way too intense, but very correct politics for the time. <laughs> um, and all, all, you know, like, you know, just being a fucking weirdo, liked music that no one else liked and things like that. I, I really have to give a shout out to the Spark for uh, introducing me to a lot of girls with too much eyeliner and short haircuts that wanted to make out with a guy who wore Malcolm X shirts. And listen to weird Swedish punk music. Yeah, you know, I really, uh, we do have to give it to them. Yeah. Um, I feel like that I'm not the only guy. No. Like me, they can no. say that like, yeah, no, the uh, the spark really, not the spark, but OK Cupid really uh, changed my, uh, my chances of love. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird to think like how many relationships I've had because of OKQ because St. Louis is a very I think there was a study that just came out I mean studies like this have been coming out since I can remember but like St. Louis is like one of the hardest cities in the world or not the world but in the country to find like meaningful relationships and to find that kind of connection really it's just a really fragmented city where everyone has a fucking chip on their shoulder as my brother once phrased it St. Louis is like a little congregation of little tree houses and if you ain't Mm. a part of one tree house you better be a part of the, you know, like the, it's very yeah. tribal. Yeah. Class, race, uh, you know, where you where you went to high school with, in case oh. you all didn't know. Yes, this is, is a like big... the ultimate St. Louis question because yes. if I tell someone I went to high school like McClure North, like, mm-hmm. oh, he went to school with a bunch of black people. It gives a shorthand for your socioeconomic status. It gives you a shorthand for were your parents rich? It gives you a shorthand for all these questions that maybe not be comfortable asking directly, but you can kind of get a sense of it 
based yeah. on that. And when I tell people that I went to Christian Brothers College, CBC. I can't. You went to CBC? I did. God damn. Yeah. Man. Christian Brothers College That's is a, a nice Jesuit, campus. It's a Jesuit high school. I did not go to the new campus. I was still at the old campus in Clayton. Uh, Clayton, again, another bougie, uh, businessy part of town. And there was this old. Uh, it was it was purpose built for Christian Brothers College. It's now yeah. something else for some college now. It's probably like a racquetball club or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 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 theater is still being used by. Um, a stray Dog and a couple other places will oh, cool. will we'll use the theater because it's a nice purpose-built theater. But there's a lot of baggage that comes with saying you went there. Yeah. Oh, you must be, you must live in Central West End, another big bougie, rich mm-hmm. part of town. You know, you must have rich parents. None of which was true for me. I've been hard scrabble middle class my whole life. It's only recently that I've actually kind of eked into the bottom of the upper middle class. Like it's been, you know, it's been a long time coming and finally we're like, okay, we're not scrimping as much. Right. Yeah. You got, you're uh, getting a little, you're, you're, you're getting a little taste of that pie, brother. Just a touch. And it's, it's nice. Crumb of that pussy. Just a touch. And it's nice. Yeah, economy pussy. Yeah. That, <laughs> let me, let me, hit, can let me I get, get a, that economy pussy. You want the, can the I get economy pussy? And it, it cussy? It cussy. <laughs> Who needs their cussy? <laughs> <laughs> Who out there need their cussy? Yeah. <sighs> so the shorthand being, you know, like this is your socioeconomic status. This is where you came from. Yada yada yada. If I had gone to the public school in my neighborhood, it would have been Hazelwood Central. Oh. Yeah, because I was out Look there. At you and, filthy North County trash going to high school with Randy Orton. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay, Cupid was built on a lot of the tests from the spark. They had the virgin test on there and they had a lot of the, so a lot of their data gathering that they learned from the spark, they actually applied it coding hand coding in C plus plus, by the way, which is no easy feat, Mm -hmm. especially in 2003, 2004, 2005, when they were building the site. Sorry, I went through puberty there. Uh, (laughs) It says they have dropped your test results in the fryer. (laughs) Um, oh, my hand. <laughs> but they said they, they had 180,000 lines of code in C++. That sounds exhausting. It is. It sounds very exhausting, but they managed to make something of it because, of course, we still know the name OKCupid. It's where overweight people in their late 30s go to have uh, poly relationships. Tinder, Bumble, Hinge have all really eaten OkCupid's lunch. It is most grinder. certainly a grinder. Yeah. <laughs> it is most certainly a shell of its former self on sure. so many levels. It's kind of bizarre because it used to be like if you were going to use a dating site, even in the early days of Tinder and Bumble, mm. still pretty good. But in the like, last 10 or so years, they've really lost their way. It does not seem like a great dating website. You can kind of see the genesis of all the dating sites that would come well, before. Yeah. Or a lot of just things from, uh, I mean, you still can probably trace early OkCupid to like BuzzFeed and a lot of other websites. True. So yeah, just yeah. as much as the spark in the process of doing this podcast, exploring things that once had these glorious moments that either, and now they're, they're far from that glory or they're even not even around anymore. Right. Um, so one of the founders, a gentleman by the name of Christian Rudder, graduated little rock high school speaking of you know where people went to high school you know, oh he, i uh, bet <laughs> but uh he knew bill clinton or something. <laughs> I don't know. so i love that boy <laughs> he's such a good kid hey 
<laughs> he would always go fetch me a pack of smokes, no questions. <laughs> no questions asked. So um, kept me out of trouble with the old hill dog. <laughs> so as co-founder of OKCupid, okay uh, he created the the front ends, you know, a lot of the editorial stuff. They sold uh, to Match.com, by the way. But, oh, that's right. Yeah, so they, they got sold for about 90 mil to Match.com. Uh, he left in 2015. He then wrote a book called Dataclism, a New York Times bestseller, a finalist for the Los Angeles Times Book Prize. But yeah, the, the Dataclism was basically a book about the founding of OKCupid, okay so it's kind of interesting. I, I, oh. I, I've read an excerpt. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of read it, kind of get the inside story because, boy, what an interesting time. W- wouldn't that be neat to kind of pull back the, the hood there, as it were? Yeah, that would be pretty interesting because they were kind of they kind of have first mover advantage in a lot of different ways. Yeah, for sure. And, have you ever heard the band Bishop Allen? No. Okay, well, he played guitar in Bishop Allen after okay. after all that. So, yeah, Bishop Allen had a series of, of really great albums. There was a great track of theirs. Dog Pussy <laughs> featuring pretty sure John that, Spencer. I'm pretty sure that's not it. <laughs> oh, Bishop Allen. Uh, Hit my prolapse like a punching bag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Night wheat. <laughs> Gravity Train, wasn't that the... <laughs> By Brian Wheat, as has been proven. Yeah, Bishop Allen, four records. They uh, It was the album Charm School was was the album uh, that had uh, uh, the song called Things Are What You Make of Them. Really great track. If you haven't heard it, I'll drop a little bit of it in like 30 seconds right about here. Um, just it's, it's a neat kind of indie rock uh, from the early 2000s, you know, Strokes style. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm being sold like a soda in a commercial, though. <laughs> yeah. The, hey, yeah. we've got Sunkiss. <laughs> Tired of boring sodas? Well, check out Diet Squirt. <laughs> Diet Squirt. I like Diet Squirt. I like uh, it's man. I like, like a grapefruit. Like soda. as far as like redneck sodas go, that you find like a soda machine that's older than you, like yeah. on the side of like Highway 70 in the middle of nowhere. Squirt's like a high tier. Yeah. Like Pib, Pib not so much, yeah. but like if you Even can find Pib like extra. Squirt. Uh, yeah. Um there's a man, my dad's like the king of like off-brand shit. I should ask him like what's his favorite off-brand sodas are cuz you'll probably you'll probably like some shit that's like made with real honey that you can right. only get like in the Ozarks. My favorite off-brand soda is Ting. It's a Ooh. Jamaican version of Squirt. It's a grapefruit soda. I'm into that. Yeah, it's so good. Um, it, it's like, imagine if Fresca, a touch sweeter, but also a little bit more sour. It's right on the sweet spot. It tastes like grapefruit soda should. It's right up there. I have not been able to find it. I've been looking for it for years. Ting, T-I-N-G. Send it to the P.O. Box. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> P.O. Box 42069, <laughs> zip code 63136. There you go. And, <laughs> that's not real, by the way. Uh, I have to just put <laughs> that just just was kind of be really confused yeah. or really happy. They're gonna get their box returned and be like, "What the fuck? I spent all this money on postage." But <laughs> oh, the spark! Uh, someone's gonna be really mad. They're saying their Milo Pony uh, figurine <laughs> jar. 
No, no. <laughs> Why would you make I me spend think a whole of that? summer filling this yeah. up? <laughs> Got returned to me. Come on, guys. Ah, uh, uh, and they spilled it. <laughs> the box is all soggy in one corner, <laughs> and there's ants all over it. Oh, there's ants on my cum. Well, uh, you ready to look at some gross shit, Brian? <laughs> Sure. It's time for that uh, that that favorite thing that we always do. It's <sighs> shock.jpg. Shock.jpg. Drop. It's, it's... Hit the drop. Now the moment you've all been waiting for. Shock.jpg. This one's called dysfunctionalfamily.org. Uh, the header there says, do you have a dysfunctional family? If so, tell us about it here. The first photo, dysfunctionalfamily.org, is starting from right to left. A uh, a young man passed out on the couch, clutching just a regular old blue pillow. To the left of him, uh, apparently a nude family member, hog out and all. Pants around his ankles, just hogs out. To the left of him, the family dog, having oh, wow. a taste. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just, really see that. From yeah, sorry. Let me, let me see if I can. Don't. don't no, yeah, yeah. Don't, oh, yeah. Don't necessarily. <laughs> so, yeah, the family I, dog I, is. The, uh, you know, listen, it's like a magic guy. Once I see it, <laughs> I don't need you explaining it to me. Yeah, the family dog taking it, taking a lick. And then uh, to the left of him. Uh, is that Meemaw? Know, it looks like Meemaw with a with a cup of, of something. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming liquor. I thought that was like a cigarette that she had in her hand, which would have made it much better. But... Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. And then. Uh, and then uh, below that, a second dysfunctional family picture. It's two for one today. Uh, starting from the left to the right there, uh, it looks like a, a gentleman, older guy, bit of a beer gut, coffee mug, plaid shirt, or a flannel shirt, a, uh, a daughter who appears to be cowering or, or just not very comfortable with the situation. And uh, far right is a uh, overweight woman, no pants, and it appears to be fondling herself. So that's... <laughs> oh boy, that's dysfunctionalfamily.org. Gosh. You know, she's not probably getting good ACT scores if this is what's going on at home. <laughs> she's got to go to Spark Notes to get those study guides. Jesus. Why this exists? Because, like, if we break down a lot of these shock sites, you can kind of see why it exists. Yeah. Meat spin, haha. Yeah, some of these are ha ha gay. Like high concept, low concept. Like, right. ha, yeah, like some of them, like you get the angle, you get the joke, even if it's not a great joke, or you get the idea, even if it's not a great idea. Right. Uh, I mean, like the first photo is kind of funny because the idea of like being passed out and like the family <laughs> dog licking on your knob because you're so sad and pathetic. <laughs> Got fired from the tire factory, <laughs> you know. Just like I can, I can, I can create a narrative around this image. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the internet used to be like this, huh? It's it's baffling. I think is really what it comes down to is it's just like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just there. Why? Why is any of this anything? Why is you know? Why are we? You know? Why are we looking? It's just. Why are they? Why is he naked? Why? <laughs> why is any of this happening? Yeah, you you. You look at this and you just you're you're left with far more questions than you have answers for. I can tell you that like, okay, Goatsy, a guy li- liked p- f- putting shit in his ass, putting like shit the, in his ass clear, showing, the, uh, showing you the the, the insides of his body. Bing bong, easy easy thing. <laughs> I right there, I got it. 
you know, or a meat spin. Hey, people, yeah. people fuck each other. That's you know, lemon party. People fuck each other. That's mm-hmm. a you know, this is why Have this we happened. Done lemon party yet? We did lemon party. I think. Oh, it, God. I don't know if it was in an episode that we actually released though. So we'll have to look. I'll have to look back through and, and see. Did I ever tell you I worked a job where someone made Lemon Party the screensaver on one of the computers? Yes, you okay, did. I that in that episode. <laughs> God, what just what just a wild ass time to be alive? Like, oh man, those people like have like better jobs and like right. families now. Yeah, they're just walking around out there in the world, just walking around, <laughs> not at all facing the consequences no. of the fact that they put meat spin as. Nope. Yeah, just. Just enjoying life, carefree, nothing, yeah. nothing happening. And it's the same with. I mean, I'm sure we don't know anything about any of these people in, in these dysfunctional yeah, I, families. Maybe, maybe they're poet laureates. Yeah, and uh, they do uh, writing workshops in uh, Iowa City. They, Iowa. They, they could own an antique store on Cherokee Street, and they're just, you know, gosh, maybe they vote and they're proud. I vote and I let my hog hang out. <laughs> Well, Try yeah. and stop me, Republicans. Yeah. It's not illegal if you're at home. So, <laughs> so. As, as I as I as I as I as I, as I, as I, as I, as I attach three uh, suppressors in a row to my Sig Sauer and get a bead on the neighbor's dog because it barks too much. <laughs> I thought you were just uh, playing loud music at him instead. You're playing Cheryl Crow to drown out his uh, uh, no, Dua Lipa I, or whatever. You mentioned it previously, but how, what's is there an update? So, on? so we'll just call the my consort at the moment. Okay. We'll just call her D. D. All right. So D was over like a week or two ago, and we decided we wanted to watch the phenomenal movie Jacob's Ladder. Oh, okay. Which I have not watched since high school, mm. and I forgot how fucking just unsettling and beautiful and amazing it is and we're like halfway through and it was a very intense movie i don't know if you watched it lately not lately Um, but i do remember it shows in new york city that's grimy and weird in a way that it most certainly is not anymore no yeah and uh you know about the psychology and you know it's Vietnam at that time, the movie came out in 1990, it deals with some Vietnam stuff, and that was very recent, and now that's very far away. Now it's kind of like... Still very fresh in the cultural milieu. Yes, yes. Very well put. Um, So this very intense psychological horror film that's very slow and sometimes very subtle. Me and Dee are watching it. And... Then, like, next door, my neighbor, I just hear, Like a virgin! Hey! Touched for the very first time! Yeah. Like a virgin! And I'm just like, You gotta be fucking Jesus Christ, me. yeah. Of all and the I'm, times I'm looking at did. D, and I'm like, you know, the first C I ever bought was Weird Al's Bad Hair Day. <laughs> right. But this is, this is, this is untenable. Yeah. And this happened like two or three times where we kind of be quiet yeah. and then there would be like an Imagine Dragons song and so you know it's just been really frustrating and I think I said on the episode with Ed that there was a one morning I really just was not in for it so I turned my studio monitors around 
cranked my fucking uh, interface and just blasted fucking dope smoker yeah, like for yeah. 20 minutes while like I showered and got ready for work. <laughs> and and here's the thing about blasting dope smoker to ruin someone else's day. It makes your day so much better because like, oh, yeah. I came out of the shower. I can't even hear it in my bathroom. Fucking... I came out of my shower fucking, you know, cleaning out my ears, like, you know, like, uh, you know, scratching the back of my head, feeling so refreshed. Be like, man. I forgot how fucking amazing this record is. You're a straight I'm ruining so I'm, yeah. I'm ruining someone else's morning. <laughs> um, but I was sitting at my computer, yeah. doing something before work, and this kind of is quiet. Like I'm not playing any music. I'm not listening to anything. I'm just like you know, like paying bills or something before I go in, and I hear like the faintest sound of someone sleeping. Just a. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely along those lines. Yeah. I was so tempted to be like, you know what? I think I'm going to put on swans. <laughs> One of the things I told D when she moved to the St. Louis area was that people are sometimes overly nice to you because they're sizing you up. And I still feel like that is... The Saint like the St. Louis nicest on some level is someone sizing you up. Yeah. Or trying to figure out what your sore spots are. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like someone that's in your life or someone you work with. Oh no. That could be just a dude like on his phone outside of a gas station on King's Highway. Just looking you up and down, trying to figure out what your deal is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to tell her that part of the other weird Midwesternness is just like loud women who just sound like shrill parrots. <laughs> that lead lonely lives working in like accounting at like a successful small business. Didn't you have a colorful name that you, that you came up with? Cole's cash. Calling her Cole's cash. We just call her Cole's cash. (laughs) I'm married to a woman who lives and dies by Cole's cash. So I'm feeling a little little personally, a little called out. What, what makes you go for the Cole's cash? uh, It just felt like very like, kind of nice midwestern chain shit because okay an observation i've made driving from st louis to chicago or st okay. louis to milwaukee many times i forget what's that highway you take up there i want to say i want to say it's just 64 right Probably 64 so whatever main vein you're taking from st louis to chicago um you know this because people talk about kansas being barren I think Chicago, not Chicago, I think Illinois has Southern Illinois, yeah. Like, Southern Central Illinois is fucking, the only time you know you are near a population of people is because you see a Coles on the side of the highway. (laughs) Or you see the casino in Joliet, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but that's generally like, oh, there's people here because I see a Coles, not just a gas station in the McDonald's or a gas station in the Wendy's. Sure. I see see something a little bit more substantial. A Walmart or a Coles or a... Coles is like I think one level below like the shabby chic of Target in some ways. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, yeah. Like I'm not I'm not trying to fucking well, no trash I mean, people to shop e- at Coles. Everything I'm wearing is Coles, so uh, you know. I guess I was just being a mean asshole, Jason. No, 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 no. I I just I didn't I know. Think if... it was just, I think because it was something a little more inventive than calling her Karen. No one's. I don't think anyone's really claimed Cole's cash as a signifier. It puts a it puts a class signifier on there, and I think that's what you're going for, right? Yes, this kind of and, middle uh, middle class, not not necessarily white trash, but like middle class bougie, kind of boring, yeah, like kind of basic, empty, yeah, in like an empty existence that 
where consumerism is the only way you can express yourself or feel like you have agency. You've kind of hollowed out the center of yourself to to make room for the the Pulse cash. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's it for yeah. the. You know what? Actually. I thought I was going to use my Kohl's cash on getting this really cool dress, <laughs> but I decided that I was going to get uh, a Ninja Blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of nights ago, I was getting ready to go out, and I can hear her talking, and I can only hear half of it because one, even though the walls are absurdly thin in my apartment, yeah, there's still it still has to pass through material and all that. Yeah, I have tinnitus, so sometimes it's thankfully I can't hear everything. True, but I just hear her saying to someone that I can hear that's she's speaking to someone that's on a speakerphone conversation on a cell phone. I can't really hear what the other person's saying, but I can hear her well enough to make out the words of like, "Well, I was actually kind of amazed you didn't make a pass at me." And there's a pause, and I don't know. I just you didn't think I was hot, and I'm like. What's going on here? Yeah. What? Oh, boy. Like, like someone sounding a little <laughs> bit hurt and a little indignant. And I'm just like, uh, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm getting out. I'm leaving here in a couple minutes. Cause yeah. Oh, uh, breath mint time. Breath mint time. Breath mint. I I haven't paid for a drop for breath mint, but boy, I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta figure out like a script. You'll have to send me, send me a script. Like, Enough of that shit. Um, <laughs> Enough of that shit. Let's talk about some culture, b- b- bitch. Well, what I I originally I wanted to have John St. John, the guy who does the voice of Duke Nukem, do like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Here's the breath mint, dumbass. You know, or some... <laughs> or some <laughs> but it's 200 bucks on Cameo. I no mean, he knows way. what he's got. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I respect that. Yeah. that's also two hundred dollars. I love you, but no, I can get Joey's World Tour to do it for thirty-five. Anyway, <laughs> oh, it's the breath mint. I'm going to start the breath mint off with a, a little something that I watched, featuring one of my favorite wrestlers for a long time, Dwayne okay. the Rock Johnson, a gentleman who was a big deal when yes. I was growing up, and boy, uh, he's had quite a bit of a an interesting career doing movies. Well, his latest movie, Black Adam, is out. Uh, More like uh, Bad Adam. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. I would not necessarily put it in like a pantheon of good DC movies, but I did like a few things about it. And so if you can divorce yourself from some of the like uh okay this is fucking you know here here's the rock you know is in this in this movie the the character of black adam at least as far as i always knew it was a response to shazam because it was the same powers it was you know he 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 was this conqueror he was bad guy that's the whole idea is that like he's a he's an anti-hero whatever which is fine, but it's not the kind of role that The Rock usually plays. The Rock usually plays a squeaky clean good guy. That's kind of his deal. But here, I really felt like the movie belonged to the hero team that Viola Davis as Amanda Waller uh, brings in. Uh, Viola Davis, of course, the Amanda, the same Amanda Waller from both Suicide Squad movies. She's double dipping. So you got Viola Davis as Amanda Waller in it for two scenes. No big deal. Um, but man, the... Hawkman, that's in it. The guy who plays him, fantastic. Uh, you got Pierce Brosnan making his return to action movies as Doctor Fate, 
one of the more underrated DC characters. I love Dr. Fate. He's essentially DC's answer to Dr. Strange. He, you know, is a, a world-class magician. He can see the future, yada, yada, yada. If you played the game Injustice 2, uh, Dr. Fate is a playable character in that. Okay. That's where I really first started digging into like, oh, what's this guy about? He wears an onk and he's got this big gold helmet and he's kind of cool looking and he's got these magic powers. So yeah, Pierce Brosnan is great in it. So it's got a good supporting cast. Supporting cast really carries it. It really carries the movie because honestly, it should have been a Justice Society movie. Justice Society is what this group calls themselves. It's it's Hawkman, it's Dr. Fate, and it's the woman with wind powers who's not Storm. It's the DC version of Storm whose name I can never remember. Guster. <laughs> Wasn't that a band? Black, uh, the, it's the Black Wind, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, some some terrible racist epithet that we've forgotten about. They're like, well, she's shoff suing over here to fight some crime. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you've immersed yourself in, in Marvel movies recently, you'll really start to get like comparison fatigue because you're like, yeah. okay, well, Dr. Fate's Dr. Strange, and uh, this is uh, this is Vibranium, and this is, which... That happened, you know, yeah. in, in real time with the comics. But, you know, it's a fun little romp. It's kind of it's kind of neat. It's kind of a fun well, little flick. When it comes to HBO Max, maybe I'll hate watch it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, Jeff Johns is going to be out uh, after a while of uh, being the, the head of DC Films. We're going to get James Gunn doing DC Films. And so... I really want obscure comic book movies. Yeah. I want, like, Bone. Or, yeah. Um, well, you know, Bone, Bone. they were going to do a Bone series on Netflix, and they canceled it. Are you fucking kidding me? No, Jeff Smith was heartbroken. I yeah. would be, too. I'm not, like, a huge Bone fan, necessarily, but, like, as far as, like, 90s independent comics go... It's like the big that, one. Like that yeah. and the Max and Spawn. Yep. I think probably... Yeah. I mean, Savage Dragon, of course, all sure. the Image Comics, Gen 13... Oh boy, um, yeah, Gen geez. 13. Yeah. Really going into the into the, <laughs> into the weeds, yeah. Yeah, but um <laughs> well, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, I mean, Yoan and Vasquez got Invader Zim for 3 seasons. I feel bad for lending my copy of a Johnny the Homicidal Maniac anthology to a girl in high school and seemingly changing the direction of her life. Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure it was in the best way. No, it <laughs> such I mean, a strange comic too yeah whatever. and what's funny is that like every interview i've ever seen with him contrasting with his comics he really seems like a very upbeat person interesting <laughs> so like he's like yeah I, you know i used to draw comics about you know people getting vivisected and and painted on a wall to feed a demon but you know i'm just kind of a happy-go-lucky guy from southern california <laughs> so weird it's, guy you know i forgot that's what giant homicidal maniacs dude <laughs> I had some friends that were fucking way in high school, way too much into giant homicidal maniac. Like I remember my friend telling me about it and I had some money like from the holidays left over and I went and special ordered it from the fantasy shop in Hazelwood. Yes. And I remember the guy when I came to pick it up, like I a phone call that had come in mm -hmm. when I came to pick it up. He put it in a Brown bag <laughs> and he pushed it across the counter like I not just disgusted him, right? But I disappointed him. And mind you, <laughs> like, this is a comic book store in the Midwest in right. 2003. Yeah, and they've got you know a hundred bullets next to the you know, the cash register. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, fucking, they have fucking uh, anime night <laughs> and the, why the last man's on the rack. So yeah, they. they uh, so Brian, 
uh, a breath mint from you? You know what? My media consumption has been really weird lately. I've still been watching Peaky Blinders. We've made it to season two. Love that Cillian Murphy. I'm still going to call him Cillian because I don't give a shit, but uh, it's it's good so far. Um, so they kind of changed their licensed music where it's just like now a lot of PJ Harvey, which is Can't better be than it. Yeah. like uh, fucking shitty indie blues rock stuff that i can't fucking stand anymore did she write music for the show do you know i don't know right. i don't know i'm i don't care i just know there's oh, like I lo- pj I, harvey and I lo- it's like you know i like I, pj harvey I'll i was gonna say you. i was say i like pj harvey i'm, I'm, I'm uh, kinda, like yeah kinda... i don't i don't i don't want i don't care to know any I just, right. it's a good show and what like season two starts off weird because they kind of kill off one of their more interesting characters hmm. like in between the seasons like oh gosh <laughs> Oh, the pe- you know we thought he'd live a long life, but ah, uh, the pestilence got him, and <laughs> so he like, died on the way to his home planet. It was, <laughs> yeah, that was basically. I don't know if there was like a contract dispute, but like the a character that made that had a really interesting aspect to the politics of the show just like dies in between seasons, and Jesus does not. And I mean, it reverberates through a lot of things that play out in the season. Yeah. But it is kind of just like for he's kind of pushed. Like I don't think he's ever mentioned a name. His death wow. and his absence changes things and puts things into motion. Yeah. But I don't think he's ever brought up again, and <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. But uh, so that's the media I've consumed as far as started playing the Resident Evil Two remake again because it was on sale for Xbox and it was like fifteen bucks for Resident Evil Two remake, which I really love. Resident Evil and also the Resident Evil 3 remake which mm-hmm. I don't love didn't care for it yeah no but uh, I uh, was like you know it's five bucks more maybe I'll play through it because sure. it was like it was a little chuggy on my PC maybe it's a little bit better on the Xbox and maybe I'd get some out of that but the Resident Evil 2 remake why I bought it, even though I already have it on PC and it looked great on my PC was that uh, you have the extra power of the Xbox oh, the and the Series all that. X. Yeah, you've got the Series X and ray tracing and all that, which my video card does not support because yeah. it's a couple years old. I bet you it looks gorgeous. Uh, some of the shadows look absolutely amazing. Uh, some of the reflections, not so much. I don't think they had the reflection shaders exactly where they needed them. Mm. Particularly anything that's like wet and like fabric huh. doesn't look great. But as far as like very moody atmospheric shadows and stuff like that looks amazing. So that part's great. And so I'm kind of messing around with that. Free time's a little. Did go see Black Lips a couple Sundays ago. Oh, yes. Yes. Still good. Uh, I still don't like the new <laughs> record all that much. Still um, good. We're good. <laughs> well, it sucks when your best songs are performed by the drummer. Yeah. And double sucks when your best songs vocally, I should say, performed by drummer. Yeah. And those best songs are performed by a drummer who is no longer in the band. <laughs> so that really takes out a chunk of some of their best material. They played a set that like felt very by the books for the Black Lips. Well, how me. far along are they on their tour though? Like, you know. Again, they... I mean, I think this is probably the set list they've been sticking to. Like they didn't really play anything off of Arabia Mountain. I don't think they played anything off of two hundred million thousand mm. which, you know, usually they were pretty good for playing like drugs or I wish I would I know they can't do it because the drummer 
was the main vocal on it, but I would love to hear Short Fuse one more time live. That was one of the first songs I heard of theirs was was that one. That was Short Fuse. Yeah, and... 200 million thousand. I used to listen to that on a radio shower for years. Oh, yeah. That was because it was just like weird and bizarre and yeah. at, very atmospheric. This is barely basically a bunch of people in their early 20s doing a bunch of drugs in a warehouse and making a lo-fi garage punk rocker record but it was a good show i had a lot of fun you got to shoot it which was great i got to shoot it was fun i guess i got a couple good shots i didn't really move a lot because i had d with me and i didn't want to like fucking just like abandon her to all the fucking because like one of the things she's picked up because she's got a lot of tattoos is like people really fucking bother her really in public just coming up to her and, and be like oh she's got a tattoo she's like a facial tattoo okay and people are like oh did that hurt and one of the things was she was saying at the show was like one of the guys that came up and said that to me had a facial tattoo himself you would know yeah but Jesus. she's just like kind of like you guys are kind of like really like behind 10 years in a yeah couple ways and i'm like no st louis is kind of fucking stupid that's kind of actually a conversation we had like not too long ago was like she came over to hang out and she's like really sorry to just like complain about how fucking weird St. Louis is. I'm like, you're really preaching to the choir. You're yeah. really <laughs> preaching to a, you're talking to a guy that told you was kind of a shit show. Right. Of a place to come to. Forewarned. Forewarned. Like, yes, uh, we are like basically where the modern civil rights movement started from, <laughs> but it's, that's where about where it ended. Yeah. Too, yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but like, you, I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe you're not on the same. You're not hip to things that I am mm. in the same way, which is not like a slight or anything, but like the contemporary civil rights movement, very interesting. Interestingly, starts now in Baltimore. With yeah, Freddie Gray. Ferguson's yeah. really erased because I think. Yeah, that is a strange bit of memory. I think holding. it's because a lot. This is just me speaking. Yeah, I think. Uh, we didn't play well with the NGOs. We didn't yeah, like people coming yeah. in and fucking feeling like they were exploiting us because we already feel like enough people take from us. Yeah. And we didn't like, you know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm speaking as a fucking white ass motherfucker, <laughs> but I also grew up in Spanish. Like my father lived in Ferguson until right. he was about 18 or 19. Like I'm a North County ass motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't appreciate. I did not appreciate as someone who's lived in this part of St. Louis his whole entire life. Did not appreciate how it felt like there were a lot of people who weren't from here or didn't even show up. Like Black Lives Matter is the organization, which we found uh, as is questionable. I yeah. think really yeah. put politely because um, that's not really the purview of this podcast. But like, oh, there's a lot of bullshit going on yeah. there when yeah, you have an of- NGO where you're. Buying multi-million-dollar uh, fucking mansions and shit. I mean, just to put a cap on it, it's a bad look. <laughs> they those three ladies were supposed to come speak at Webster Groves, and local uh, civil rights activists, a lot of people that were involved with Ferguson, were just like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> like, I mean, like, it was it was such a threat to the establishment that there might be a Ferguson-level protest at Webster in Webster Groves right. over the Black Lives Matters org. NGO ladies showing up and saying they're bullshit because it's like it's really weird. I'm gonna get on my soapbox for here. Please, like please, please. In my fucking vans and my fucking <laughs> tracksuit. <laughs> I was gonna compliment the tracksuit. It is very nice. I, my way. ex used to say I look like a Bosnian landlord, which I feel like <laughs> is an 
which which is an amazing compliment. One of the nicest things she ever said to me. I felt I felt like I felt like listen, listen. You got to do the slot. When, when my nephew yeah. gets back in town, we'll work on that. We'll work on the roof. Don't worry. You got toilet problem? I fix. Yeah, just give me a second. Uh, you need baklava. One of the things that I have had trouble communicating to people, particularly people that never really show up to a protest in St. Right. Louis. I'm talking to other like motherfuckers on Cherokee Street, motherfuckers on vaguely left-leaning St. Louis social media, is that there is a difference between Black Lives Matters, the statement, the thought, the mission, and Black Lives Matters, the organization. Because I will tell you something during 2020, with all of that stuff that was going on, and seeing artists doing really cool limited edition stuff being like oh man that's a really cool shirt or a really mm -hmm. cool poster and they're donating proceeds to all these really cool orgs and then i would see like black lives matters organization of like philadelphia and i'm like man you kind of just lost my my sale and yeah. like i know the smaller orgs are a different story i've read some of the plights of the individuals that have like the regional black life and Matter their situation which also sounds like a whole lot of bullshit i feel for them but like in 2020 we didn't really necessarily have information so like and people are like oh you're just an asshole i'm like no um i'm not i just i was there and like right like, I, I had tear gas cans kicked at me i've been uh arrested when i shouldn't have and I had all kinds of terrible things happen to me and witness things that were even worse happen to other people and not just people that didn't deserve it but people that over the course of a few years i got to know mm -hmm. and and care about as as fellow human beings as, and people that cared about some of the same same things i did so i think if a you know if you're a st louis person and you think I, this is a shit opinion you know, if you weren't out there with me, I don't give a shit because I have people <laughs> in late 2014 really want to fucking take me down a peg. I'm like, I'm out there. Yeah. You're hanging out the fucking whiskey ring on Cherokee with a fucking stag in one hand and an American spirit in the other. It's just going like, I don't know, man. Cops are kind of fucking gay. <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah. that's not an ex if you're not from St. Louis, that's not really an exaggeration of no, how some people handle not. themselves. Yeah. And it's really also sad how many people in St. Louis in the left leaning circles gain a lot of fucking social currency and I don't think ever put their fucking boots on the ground no. on West Florson. No, I doubt it. Anyways, uh, Breathman, um, let's here let's, so, let's 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 reset the table a little sure. bit here because we did talk about watching Ava. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, even what the fuck is that th that movie? A like it feels like so many threads that don't get fully realized. Like the, yeah. the beginning of the movie, and we're really shifting from talking about civil rights and the the yeah. heaviness and the trauma and the exploitation that comes along with all of that stuff to like so this anime movie <laughs> about uh yeah. killing god because your dad wants you to yeah um, yeah it felt really scattershot like I, there's some threads like the the slice of life stuff in the early first act i guess you could say is nice and really interesting. Then it gets really weird and messy. Right. And I don't think it ever meets for a long time. It never really meets the energy in the in the 
curiosity or the interest of the opening scene with like Mari and all yeah. of them in France, but then also like, why the fuck are they in Paris? Okay, so for those of you who are uninitiated, I have to kind of break this down because I've been an Evangelion fan since 97. Neon Genesis Evangelion is an anime series about Mecca, but it's also about depression. (laughs) It's also about uh, (laughs) what parents do to children. Yes. The trauma. It's basically about the trauma of existence. The sins of our fathers, etc. All of that uh, kind of boiled into one package. And, And so there was 26 episodes of the television series. And then a couple of years later, almost as a response to the way the television series ended, they came out with a movie called The End of Evangelion, which was technically split into two episodes because there's actually a, mid, a mid-movie a mid credit sequence. Yeah, it's, you remember it's that? wild. It's very strange. And so it was kind of envisioned as the true ending to the television series. And then uh, you know, a couple of years, maybe five, ten years after that, there was a, a theatrical release called Evangelion 1.0. I think it's called the Rebuild series. Yes, that's that's how Hideki Anno refers to it as the Rebuild of Evangelion, and that's how it was referred to. But when when you go looking for it, when you go looking for it on like a streaming service, Amazon Prime has all four movies. It's Evangelion 1.0. Yeah. And using that weird notation of like software, like, okay, well, this is... Because 1.0 is essentially a retelling with better animation, with some minor story changes of stuff that happens in the series. Like there's stuff that technically I think happens in the first or second movie mm-hmm. that doesn't happen until the fourth. Like certain characters. And, right. Which is which is kind of wild. So they, they did four of these. That uh, 2.2 introduces Mari, the character that, that Brian's referring like to. Which is weird fan service cheesecake. <laughs> based on the director's wife, by the way. Are Mari fucking kidding No, me? Mari is based on Anno's uh, real life wife. Um, wow, they must have a really <laughs> interesting life. <laughs> they really must. So, so he introduces this character in the second rebuild movie that's based on his wife. And then the story kind of spirals out from there taking huge left turns from where the series went. And then the 3.3 came out, which was originally called uh, Evangelion Q. Like it has this whole weird, he's going full Hideo Kojima on it where he's, he's kind of retconning his own creation. It had an MGS four feel to it. That's, that's where Tying I was. up all these loose threads. Yes. Yes. And being, and I think the last two movies, kind of have that the the auteur syndrome yes yes of like there's so many things i think in the last two movies are brilliant yeah but you also have to sit through some shit that doesn't play out like you hope it would the, there's you mentioned early just a minute ago about early in the movie there the, the, these three characters shinji asuka and um um ray ray thank you well, like i forget ray, ray. Like jesus ray christ clone. Well, it's 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 not just a Ray clone. It's like the Ray clone that that never got fully trained to be Ray. Because all the if you remember in the series, all the Rays were like socialized and they kind of had the same personality eventually. Well, this one was like a brand new one that didn't know anything. And so, yeah, you've got your. What do you mean, but pussy? Yeah, yeah. but is what we say when yeah. Um. What is? Oh, 
So this is up dog. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching Ray what what ligma what ligma means. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so back to the sad fantastic sad yeah. movie. I yeah. think the stuff in the village is really interesting. I think the arc with Ray, aka Miss Looks Like Miss Lookalike, yeah. Miss Lookalike, I think is I think where that goes is to a really fine point. I think it's probably one of the strongest things I think in all of Ava. Yeah, yeah. And and any interpretation of the, uh, the Well, because she becomes from being a in Ritzko's words from the original series, from being a hollow shell, she becomes a person. Yeah. And then realizes that as she's become a person, her time is cut short. Yeah. And I think that was the moment when I first saw it. Cause again, this, this is this theatrical release that we saw in IMAX again, huge gigantic picture and ear splitting sound <laughs> when so I seriously, it was a fucking live movie, but uh, first time I saw it, uh, Amazon Prime had put it out. First got its its U.S. release through G Kids, which is. F- 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 can I stop for a second and just sure. it, that's fucking baffling to me. Go ahead. G Kids is the label that put this out. All right, so G Kids, the publisher. Yeah, yeah. So in in the United States, G Kids negotiated the new special edition Blu-rays and all this stuff of the original series. And so they, of course, b- bought the rights to all the rebuilds, too. So yeah. they then put all the rebuilds on Amazon, on the Prime Video, so that when 3.0 1.0 came out, they had the original 90s voice cast come in and do the English dub. So they had Spike Spencer. They had all the people. Yeah. Like... When Evangelion went to Netflix, they Studio Cara, which is the studio that now owns the rights to the television series, had a whole new voice cast come in and they're do a new bad. dub. They're not bad. It's just they're not Spike Spencer. They're not Amanda Wynn Lee. They're sure, not sure. Tiffany Grant. It's, they're not... Um, it's not the, the, the further support your statement. I remember being on Hulu a year or two ago and seeing like, oh, the original Sailor Moon. Yeah. And, you know, I'm... Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z were my first animes as a weirdo kid in the 90s. As, as happens, yeah. And so, you know what? Like, I could probably stand to watch a couple episodes of Sailor Moon. And this had a completely different dub voice crew. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's, they're not bad. Like, it's very well done. But, but it's not the same. But it's, is, those voices are so burned in my head. I couldn't imagine anything else. Which is why I'm glad that when Amazon brought over the rebuild movies that they kept the, mm-hmm. the English voice cast from the, from the ADV days from the, from the, the group in Texas. So I saw, you know, cause I'm again, I've been an Evangelion fan for 30 years now. I'm just rounding up, but it's close yeah. enough. And, and my, I mean, my daughter's name is Ava for God's sake. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, "Oh shit, you are a weeb." Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was the that was the thing I said to my wife. I said, "You know, if we have a daughter, <laughs> I'm gonna want to name her Ava." And she goes, "Okay, that's fine." <laughs> so, thank God she's uh, cool. Cool and, with it. Yeah. yeah. Seeing that one scene you're referring to, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about in, in the, the the sequence early in the movie where where Ray is kind of 
becoming her own person and she has this moment of realization that like I literally cannot live without nerve and I can't you know all this stuff that is what really got me the first time that I saw it I'm we're talking like Niagara Falls Frankie Angel I'm I'm bawling yeah and for the next hour I was doing the same because throughout the movie because of the way the story kind of dovetails with the original series and because of the way that the story has kind of been building to this, you're getting all these moments of characters realizing their, their best selves almost like even, yeah. even Oscar who has always been a thorn in my side with the series. She's always been so abrasive, but you, you come to understand her yeah, and you come to understand that like her pain and her loneliness, instead of, going inwards like Shinji does, she pushes outwards and becomes this awful person to those around her. And despite that, she still finds love and acceptance. And then there's this great moment. And yeah. yeah. And so like the way it's done is very obtuse and kind of strange because they try to like, Oh, well it's the anti-universe and the, the world is the dead. Yeah. It, it's all gobbledygook. But the character moments are so strong, and I yeah. think that's what really sells it to me. I feel like, as someone who didn't really interact with Ava until like a until the Netflix wow relaunch, well, it was just like a really well, it was hard to find. Obtuse. It was really yeah. obtuse anime. Is like as someone who I've never I didn't see Perfect Blue until a couple of years ago. It was a midnight screen at the Oof. Tivoli. Satoshi Kon. Oh, oh, so it was fucking mind-blowing for me anime was kind of hit or miss just like because like i didn't want to spend like 40 bucks on like, a two-episode <laughs> tape and, oh god uh, the tapes jesus yeah. yeah you know and stuff like that it was just also really hard to find the stuff that like i would read about and like game fan to really yeah, yeah. To really put uh, a tip on how old i am i my anime recommendations came from a website that not a website <laughs> but a magazine that by traditional layout standards is practically unreadable oh yeah God, yeah, yeah, yeah. just Game amazing. Fan. Well, amazing new type, lit. new type was how uh, we got anime recommendations uh, at the time, and fuck, man, new type. That was such a you couldn't find it. You couldn't find new type. Mm-hmm. It, it, you go to fantasy shop, you're like, you have the new new type, and they go, "What's that?" You know, the comic book shop, the place that's supposed to have manga. the 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 Uber <laughs> Nerd Dome, <laughs> yeah, place. And like, what's new type? And like, God damn it! All right, well. So there's like still like. 90s animes I would like to like I've thought about like I would love to watch Gunsmith Cats oh yeah or Bubblegum Crisis like, any I of these still, OVAs yeah they're so yeah yeah I mean and this is like shit that's like 30 years old now <laughs> and I'm like yeah I, I would like to watch it I, I have Gunsmith Cats I could lend you Gunsmith Cats oh, well yeah, that would be fantastic. lovely thank you man Evangelion such a so formative memory for me so so seeing these characters have these moments of closure that they were denied for 25 years really hit me in that in that emotional sweet spot so i think the movie affected me in a different way than it would someone who's relatively new to the experience you know what i mean like there's a there's a weight of all the accumulated years that that kind of comes with it it's almost its own baggage yeah i can see that and i think that's that's going to be the schism i think is like people who are coming into this from just recently having you know seen the series on netflix or what have you and versus people who are doing going over to their friend's house true story 
and, and putting tape by tape into one VCR deck and recording it onto yep. the other one yep. on a six-hour tape. I know these stories. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just really, like, because every time you dub the series, you'd have to watch it again. And yeah. so I think that's probably the, the one anime series I've watched more than any other is Evangelion. And boy, you know, it really left a an imprint in your mind. Well, yeah. especially those episodes that, that deal with a lot of the trauma. And the, the, because it also happened at a time in my life when I was dealing with, you know, my father was dying. And there was a lot of stuff happening that resonated with me, you know. So it's almost like a deeply personal connection that I have to it that maybe some others don't. I don't disagree with you. I feel like as far as people I've seen like online that were coming to the subject matter for the first time, you know, through Amazon rebuild series or the TV series being put on Netflix were people that were really um, taken aback by how yeah it has some anime tropes in it they're at this point incredibly well worn hmm. but just how powerful and deep in that and it's obvious that uh, that Ano obviously had like a very alienated childhood yeah and I imagine someone a very alienated adulthood yeah and how vividly it's expressed in this anime that's about piling a Mecca, which is really a humanoid that has the soul of your mother in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. to Boy. kill to kill God and <laughs> yeah. and one of the things I'll say about the rebuild is that it does not go into the mythology of why certain things are happening nearly. And I had it's been a year or so since I really thought about Ava, so I'm like, well, I know there's some of the stuff that from the TV series that as far as the rebuild series goes, it's just like subtext and you just kind of like, you should just know it. And yeah, it's implied. It does have a lot of, of, of institutional knowledge, a lot of yes. stuff that you are kind of expected to remember yeah. or certain scenes that are like mirror images of something in this, in the TV series that if you're immersed in it and you kind of have that deep knowledge that you're going to immediately glom onto. But, but yeah, for someone who, is not maybe it has, does not have an encyclopedia encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the weaknesses of Thrice Upon a Time is that it leans a little heavily upon knowledge that you're supposed to have. Yeah, I felt a little bewildered near the <laughs> last third, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I might have dozed off a few times. I think you. I might caught have... that. <laughs> I caught that. I think you might have coughed to wake me up. <laughs> it was not intentional. It was not. It was purely. It was literal. Uh, I, I have to ask you. I have to ask you. Was I snoring? No, no. <laughs> but, but because because when I, when I realized what had happened, I was like, oh god, I hope I wasn't snoring <laughs> because because <laughs> yeah. not only did I just doze off during an incredibly loud movie, yeah, <laughs> just bomb. Fantastically loud. Hugely loud, yeah. I then snore. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank God. No, no. I, I just, I would look over. This happens when I'm watching a movie. When I'm watching a movie at home with my wife. 
And I realize she hasn't like asked me a question in five minutes. Yeah. I look over. I look over and yep, she's asleep. But so I, I same thing. I was like, not not that you were talking to the movie because you know better. But it was <laughs> it was more of a it was more of like, oh, he's not reacting to this like really huge moment. What? No oh, shit, he's asleep. <laughs> Fuck. No, I did not. I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. You should, you should just kick me. Go, shit, she. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we did see the uh, the subtitled version, by the way, which brat, I, Shinji, brat. Yeah, yeah. The 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 text subtitles were a little weird because she idiot Shinji or like, but baka, it, yeah, yeah, baka. It's like no, that's stupid. Yeah, it's a, it's more pejorative than than the subtitle writers were willing to put it was kind of an odd choice is the amazon it was studio cara who who uh, commissioned the the translation of the of the subtitles and for the english dub so interesting some of the some of the linguistic picadillos were probably just because they wanted a more literal translation sure which if you noticed in the in the netflix dub there's some odd phrasing like they say first children instead yes. of first, first child, child. Yeah. yeah there's a there's a few of those odd little well li- it's like some kojima isms where it's like you're too literal because you're afraid that your meaning is going to get lost but then you make something that becomes endearing in its weirdness but is in but on its face very clumsy yeah it's 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 it's, it's the clunk of translation and I, I i i find that it harms the netflix dub for that reason and i think that the the original ADV dub, which you can only find on the collector's edition Blu-ray mm-hmm. or on the Platinum Series DVD release, which also, I don't know if you know this, but at the end of every episode of Evangelion, there was a version of the classic song, Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah. Well, in the Netflix version and in the even in the new collector's edition Blu-rays, Fly Me to the Moon is not included because the licensing fees are insanely expensive. So the only way you can really get Evangelion with Fly Me to the Moon as the ending song is on these ancient Platinum Edition DVDs. So, (laughs) and they're on eBay for like 300 bucks. We're getting into a level of like people that buy like the laser dick laser dick laser disc <laughs> oh, twice <laughs> laser well i mean i i came back to it but you know i'm just gonna say the whole words yeah, yeah. i'm gonna say the full thing um i'm gonna give you the whole johnson <laughs> the laser disc versions of uh star the star wars trilogy mm-hmm. because that's like the highest res trilogy yeah. that george lucas ever allowed to be made i will tell you a secret there is a group on ebay that has created something called the D Specialized Editions. Now they've taken the Laserdisc, yeah, uh, video, and they've taken the Blu-ray audio, and they've remixed it, remuxed it, or whatever they call it, and they've put out a series of Blu-rays which are as close to the theatrical version of the original films as you can get. I highly recommend you find them. They're called the D Specialized Editions. Just a little. That's uh, that's amazing. I uh, I don't really give a shit about Star Wars as much as other people, but I do appreciate. But I do appreciate people that show heart and passion when it comes to archiving media. Oh, fan edits are amazing. Fanedits.org. This is yeah. some real, some I, uh, real. God, Godspeed. I hope they can. 
I hope they can hunt down George Lucas and make oh. him squeal like a pig in a jungle in Burma. Speaking of a squealing like a pig in the jungle of Burma. <laughs> this is about that time of the show where we tell you how to get a hold of us. Listen, if you want to send death threats, <laughs> you're a junior G-man looking to... Uh, listen, those black Israelites ain't playing out for you. Well, there's two gullible boys in the Midwest here. Indeed. Who would love to understand how the... Brian, how can they reach you if they wish to do so? Uh, you can find me on ye old twitter as it still exists and instagram i shot gd board uh i-s-h-o-t-g-u-i-d-b-o-r-d and if you want to take a look at my foes of black lips Ooh. boris and a couple other things i've photographed recently uh, you can check out uh my portfolio and all that fun stuff at uh assholemusicphotographer.com and jason oh 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 <laughs> Four years of high school French. All I know is uh huh. Okay. And uh, uh potate, pot, petite titi. I say uh, voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Hi. Uh, you can find me at video crime v i t e o c r i m e on Twitter. If you wish to find me on Hive, I'm also video crime. I am on co-host as Video Crime. I'm trying to stake out the name in as many places as possible. And let's see here. Mastodon, Video Crime at Retro.Pizza. You can also give the show a call if you give us 314-246-9766. That's also 314-AHOY-POO. That's right. 314-246-9766. Kind of stunning that we have not gotten a... (laughs) Honestly, I'm just gonna, just gonna say it's kind of stunning that we have not gotten a voicemail yet. Uh, you on, know, maybe I'll change. It. I just want to I want to let the the good folks know too that if you want to find me on Mastodon, mm. uh, my username is Prospector88. Hey, hey. <laughs> that is a deep dive into Twitter lore that we will have to do on another show, uh, but, you, uh, where I will uh, where I um, post about my my loadout <laughs> and uh, everyday carry my, yeah. my EDC. <laughs> um, Drinking uh, Voodoo Ranger and uh, jacking off in the parking lot before I go into Dunkin' Donuts yell at someone. You can find the show on Twitter. <laughs> just gonna, just gonna keep rolling. You can find the show on Twitter at Four Eight Minutes of Dogs. You can find us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Four Eight Minutes of Dogs. And as always, you can shoot us an email. With your comments, questions, queries, recipes for cake, for eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com. So, Brian, I've thought long and hard about what to put as the music for this week's episode. And one of the things that really kept coming back was a band called Meat Wave. Now, we talked about the Stinky Meat Project. As we part have. of the spark, and we talked about meat spin, we did indeed talk about meat spin <laughs> in a previous episode. Yes, we did. We talked about it today. We oh yeah, that's right, we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so meat, meat Meat Wave is a band from Chicago. Really fun group. Um, their their last album, The Incessant, was really phenomenal. This song that we're going to play from them is called Leopard Print Jet Ski. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we are going to sign off as we always do at this time when we say namaste and good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.